We cover many serious issues in this podcast. This discussion may contain reference to domestic violence, sexual violence, violence against children, suicide, drug use, or graphic depictions of death or dead bodies. It is not suitable for all audiences. Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries Rewind, two friends get together to discuss episodes of their favorite television show, Unsolved Mysteries. Will they find answers? Will anyone care? You may be able to solve a mystery. Hello, this is Mark, and you are listening to Unsolved Mysteries Rewind. This is our Halloween episode, everyone. So I would like to introduce to the show. You might have heard her ghosting over there. Um, Kim, how are you doing, Kim? Oh, I am so good. I am so excited to be tackling this Halloween episode. You know, this is um, this is going to be very critical. Okay. I think that Unsolved Mysteries, um, as a franchise, could have done a better job with Halloween episodes. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's my criticism. I don't, I think that there are things here that are interesting. I think, but I just feel like I wish they put in more than 10 minutes of work in this episode. Not to say that the segments didn't take time to record, but I feel as though these were pieced together. This wasn't, this was not created as a Halloween episode. Well, it did air on Halloween 1990, but yeah. there is next to nothing Halloweeny about this episode. However, you know, with all my basic tendencies, like I am ha- all Halloween all the time. So yes. I was just excited to embrace this Halloween episode as silly as it may be. <laughs> Please post a picture of what you worked on last week because what you posted was horrifying and hilarious oh. and wonderful at the same time. If you love Halloween, um, you know, Leah, who we all, we both work with on other podcasts, mm-hmm. um, she's petrified of horror movies and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if she should block those photos. <laughs> yeah. I'll give a little heads up. I'll give a warning, but it is like sitting right next to me right now in this cramped <laughs> Have you named room. Them? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. So it's, it's Jack. Like, no. Oh, oh my God. Knock on wood. No, I transformed the skeleton into a corpse and it is, it's pretty gross and I love it. It's gross, but really well done. So, Oh, thank you. Well done. Well done. All thank right. you so well, much. But, but yeah. Halloween 1990, um, mm-hmm. I was about 17, I guess. So I was probably up to no good. And But the night of Halloween this aired, um, this is season three, episode seven. And I guess first off, we had a little down south, down to the beach. Um, Pauly's mm-hmm. Island, South Carolina. Uh, you pointed out that 1990... There were 173 people. Currently, there are, or as of 2018, there are 107. Yeah, dwindling. But on the Realty website, there are well over 800 homes or apartments for sale. So I don't know how that works. This area screams Airbnb to me. Oh, that's a, you know, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. (laughs) Have you ever done an Airbnb? No, no, I haven't. I'm too afraid of like cameras and spying Ooh. on me and stuff we we did um oh. and we did it because we travel with our pets and mm. um and they like to pee on things and mm-hmm. they certainly peed all over this house um <laughs> you know we cleaned of course but um yeah we we did a few small cabins and houses in the poconos and um, upstate new york and it's really kind of cool it's really good I, we weren't too worried about the the hidden cameras and everything mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I think that it's a worthwhile t- type of thing. But, yeah, like if you want to check out the beach, because if you look at this place on a map, it's really kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all beachfront. It's all great. And if a storm were to come, they would probably be some of the first people on the radar of a hurricane. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah, they are like right on the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And so there have been five hurricanes, actually, that have just completely like ravaged, decimated this little Polly's Island. And before each one, it is said 
that an entity known as the Gray Man appeared to warn locals of the oncoming hurricane. Now, the reason why they call him the Gray Man is because he's wearing gray. I just assumed it was like because he's like ghostly gray, like his coloration is gray. But I don't know. I I got a whole Mothman feel. I don't know if you follow Mm. Mothman or Mm -hmm. other crypto crypto zoology creation creatures. But (laughs) um, Mothman is one of these um, creatures that will appear before a terrible incident, like a a bridge collapsed and a number of people saw the Mothman. Uh, there's a movie yeah. called The Mothman that's very loosely based off the story. But nonetheless, it's one of those kind of um, tales that people well, the, tell. The Gray Man seems like that, but he's friendly. Like, if he comes to warn you, you will be saved from this hurricane, basically. Like, hmm. if you heed his warning, your property will be safe. So, the legend appears to have originate, originated. You according. can't talk either. It's, I know. It's in the water. <laughs> it appears to have originated from a book of ghost stories by Julian Stevenson Bollock, published in 1956. And coincidentally, the first actual like incident that they talk about is in uh, 1954. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. But we but the legend kind of goes back that in late summer 1822. There is a young man who Unsolved Mysteries calls James, and he is, like, racing on horse to see his beloved fiance, and his horse gets bogged down in this, like, quicksand marsh kind of thing. He gets bucked off, and by the time anyone can get to him, he is dead. So the parents tell the fiance, who Unsolved Mysteries calls Rachel, and she just spends her days wandering the beach, you know, sorrowfully. Yeah, a broken heart. Jokes. And it's, it is a kind of a romantic story, right? I mean, yeah. I'm kind of picturing this. It's sad. I mean, it's like a tragic romantic type of thing. Well, like one afternoon when she's on the beach, she sees a shadowy figure of a man. And she ran towards him, says that she recognized him as her fiance, but then he just disappeared. So one night while she's sleeping, the ghost slash the gray man whispered to her, leave the island. The wind is coming. Yeah, that's it's one of those things, you know, you can't really verify any of this. This is all. A legend or a tale, but I guess that's what makes for a good ghost story, right? Yeah, it's totally fun. Because the wind was coming. It was, yeah. Her and her parents actually left the island on his advice, and suddenly a huge hurricane slammed into the island, but Rachel, her parents, and the plantation were spared. Were, um, Were you ever in, I mean, you've been in hurricanes, for God's sakes, you're down south. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, you get a, a decent amount of um, tropical weather. Um, you mm-hmm. know, some of these storms can be pretty crazy. You know, we uh, being on Long Island, we get hit by them, but we don't get the power that you guys get. Yeah, so we're in Florida. I know in Long Island, it's probably usually kind of like run out of steam by the time it gets to you. Not like you don't get the effects of it. But I know Whoa. when Hurricane Irma, no, I'm I'm joking. <laughs> when Hurricane Irma hit, we were without power for a week. Well, when Hurricane Sandy was out, we were out of power for 13 days. Oh, bragging. And I bought this house during that time. (laughs) So we bought a house with no power and running extension cords down to like two blocks down so that we could uh, do something. I forget what it was. But uh, we were running on generators mostly. Oh, what? Uh, You know, I tip my hat to your one-upsmanship. That is worse than my one week. (laughs) But you know what? It was... um, 80% 80% of the area did get power. It was because That's a tree had fallen um, yeah. on our service and toward the service out of the house. Oh, oh it was God. really nice to spend money on a house that we had already, that we had not only sold, but we were leaving within weeks. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, that sucks. Can't, can't tell you how happy that makes me even right now. But oh. <laughs> so nonetheless, um, hurricanes are very scary and both of us deal with them probably at least on a biannual basis of some sort. Um, but the gray man, uh, have you ever heard of anything like this? Where Are there any legends from the area that you're in? Not that I know. I mean, aside from the skunk ape, but he doesn't oh. warn us of impending hurricanes. Yeah. He, he's, he's a, more of a jerk than it, more than yeah. anything. I know. Right. And so uh, mysterious, but you know, we have, 
incidents that we talk about, like in 1893, something similar happened. In 1954, a man saw the gray man before Hurricane Hazel, which Polly's Island took an almost direct hit. And his house was so protected that allegedly towels that were still hung on the railing were still there even after the storm. And we're seeing, like, news footage of houses just turned into, like, toothpicks, like, like boats stacked up upon yeah. each other. Like, this was a bad one. Yeah, I, I think it ended up causing several billion dollars of damage. Um, yeah, in the 50s. Yeah, and um, yeah, in the 50s. You know, exactly. The whole infrastructure was completely squashed. Um, and we have is you know that's not uh, Hugo would come in 1989, right? Yeah, September 22nd, 1989, Hugo comes and it is hitting the coast of South Carolina with 145 mile per hour wind. This was such a big storm that um I even well it's like I'm acting like I was um one years old like you were basically, um <laughs> but actually you were younger than that I think and. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember the storm and it being a tremendous, tremendous, um, crazy thing. And this was the costliest Atlantic hurricane until Hurricane Andrew would have come a few years later. But mm. 145 mile per hour winds. That is <sighs> horrifying. And we speak to Jim and Clara Moore. They're and, cute, but I'm not uh, sure I believe them. No, I don't believe a word they're saying. <laughs> not a word. Now, I can buy into the gray man, but sure. I think that. With them, it's such an afterthought. Exactly. They only thought of it afterwards because, like, they they go and they come back and then, like, everybody's house is destroyed except theirs. And they're like, oh, my God, come to think of it, we were walking on the beach one day and we totally saw. (laughs) Right, Jim? Right? Yeah. Like, nudge, nudge? And he said that he went to go say hi and the guy just disappeared. But you don't say this to anybody until after your home isn't destroyed by the hurricane. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's, um, but I like the rumor of the gray man. I, I don't think yeah. it has, it doesn't really have legs. I think it's not like Mothman. Well, <laughs> I will say in 2018, the gray man was reportedly seen right before Hurricane Florence. And there is allegedly a picture of him <laughs> on the dock right before Hurricane Florence. And we will post a picture of that to our Facebook page, Unsolved Mysteries Rewind podcast. This is a very scary photo. Yeah. Uh, it is kind of creepy. It does remind me also of all the people who, right before Hurricane Sandy here, were, like, going on the beach and doing, like, selfie videos and everything and oh, making all I these know. jokes. And then the next day you see your Jeep is, you know, six feet in the sand. It's like, where's my I Jeep? Know. It's underground now. Tell me about it. We had, like, the Florida shoot into the hurricane, mm. uh, like, thing, campaign going on. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it is you, not, weather is no joke. And Florida weather is seriously... Incredible. Like, I think it really, it's the only word I can really think of. Um, whenever I'm in Florida, there's a storm for like 15 minutes, and I'm like, this is the worst storm I've ever been in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's and gone. Then it's, sunshine. <laughs> and then it's mm-hmm. like people just like, hey, let's go get some breakfast. Florida is basically always trying to kill you, like the <laughs> mosquitoes or skunk apes or hill people or whatever you want. I kind of love that. Bad. You know, Florida, we always are just trying to kill you. Well, hey, we got a, a futon for you, my friend. But <laughs> this next story, which I think is like the real meat and potatoes of this episode, is Vision Quest. And we are going to talk about the disappearance of David Stone. Yeah, David Stone. Do you think that's his real name? I mean, because we have people in this story like uh, Larry Rivers and David Stone. It's like I'm waiting for Joaquin Phoenix to walk out. John Duffus. Your Leaf Phoenix. Um, yeah, Rainbow. Um, you know, so do you think these are real names or do you think they're protected or um, do you think that I, they even might have changed them? I 100% think that they are real names because I found all of these people. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely think they're real okay. names. Maybe they changed them. I don't know. But I think that, you know, I mean, forgive me if what I'm about to say is ignorant, but we are dealing with like Native American areas. And so rivers like I could see as a Native American last name. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But we're Maybe. talking yeah. about... New Mexico and Arizona. And this is like basically right on the border. There's this huge desert. And as Native American myth would have it, it is a source of mystical power and supernatural energy. Yeah. 
So this is where I would pick up my sitar and kind of goof on it a little bit, but I do take this stuff a little bit seriously. I think you take it a little mm. bit seriously, too. I take it the most seriously about anything that we are talking about today. <laughs> so I, if it sounds like I'm goofing, I'm really kind of more like I'm uncomfortably goofing because I'm buying into a lot of it. But I can there are say things that. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> there are things here I've never heard of with the New Age yeah. movement. You know, so, I feel like in our younger years, you and I would have individually have done this. Yeah. I would have been the creepy old guy hanging out with you. And it's like, I probably would have introduced you to Jack. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. So it's in uh, Granite Peak, New Mexico. It is Halloween 1988. And around dawn, farmer Larry Rivers says that he sees a young man on the side of the road in the desert and he has like a walking stick in his hand he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt and he's like hey man you need a ride how's it going and the man says to him like no i got this i'm searching for the beast yeah i've never heard of searching for the beast i love this like i completely see this yeah but this is where you know full disclosure you know i've definitely gone down my own seat paths you know Mm -hmm. um when it comes to um the elements, you know, taking in certain hallucinogens to get to a certain different mental or psychological or spiritual plane. And totally. you kind of get these little things in your head, like searching for the beast, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. you get stuck on it. And like this says in New Age Movement, this article that I found online from Medium.com and the Unsolved Wiki says that in the New Age movement, the beast is sometimes described as the concentration of negativity in one's soul. Yeah. I feel like this is just something that men of a certain age do. And like, yes. no disrespect, because I just feel like there's like, ah, I have to find this evil with him. I have to transform. Like, I could totally see Jack doing this. Like I said, I could see you doing this. I could see myself doing this. So um, basically, the farmer, Larry, says that it was like really cold that morning and he didn't understand why the man wasn't dressed for the elements yeah i mean it's october 31st right it's halloween that he's doing this but also so it might be nice it might be kind of seasonably what would it be like late i mean high 70s 80s maybe in new mexico yeah the average low in hillsborough new mexico which is very close nearby is 42 degrees in october at night so, at night yeah. and so i think it said like high 60s low 70s in the afternoon but keep in mind we're almost november basically by the time it's halloween i just and get the we- impression this guy doesn't go hiking like this guy doesn't know what he's doing so he's probably oh, like definitely. not thinking like well in six hours the temperature is going to drop about 35 degrees and he's from san diego california so yeah. he's probably used to a, a more tourist. temperate climate yeah Exactly. And he is a yuppie, like judging by his polo and his like yeah. crisp khaki shorts and all this. So we <laughs> identify the stranger as 29 year old David Stone. And David has not been seen since Larry Rivers saw him when he was driving. So he was this very successful stock market analyst in his dad's business in La Jolla, California. And in 1986, David wanted to become like less yuppie and more hippie and becomes very involved in the new age movement. Um, Robert Stack says, you know, it encompasses a variety of religious beliefs and philosophies that promote self-enlightenment and spiritual growth. I guess I can accept that. That's not so bad. Kind of being gentle. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why not try and explore your spiritual self and try and have a deeper understanding of your sense of self? And full disclosure, Mark, I think you're in agreement with me that we both think that this guy probably was taking some peyote and doing like a vision quest out in the desert. There's no doubt about it. You know, uh, just trying to know himself. Um, And what's so popular now is like ayahuasca. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these, you know, people go on these spiritual journeys and very often they do, they, but it doesn't always happen alone. That's one of those kind of weird things. In fact, if it's your first time, like you probably shouldn't do it alone. And we say this because I learned this morning that peyote is legal in your, if you're in the states where it grows naturally, like California, New Mexico, Arizona, which just surprised me. But I think the official word of Unsolved Mysteries Rewind is that you just shouldn't do any of this. Yeah. Oh, don't take our word for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So we go back a few days. Yeah. Sorry. Um, It's Saturday, October 29th. He's having a Halloween party at his apartment in San Diego. 
And then out of nowhere, David gets into this argument with his friends and starts repeatedly punching his friend, quote, 20 to 25 times. And you hit the I I think you hit the nail on the head when you kind of said this sounds like a certain type of behavior. Yeah, I mean, I'll just put it out there. It sounds like you're doing some coke and you're losing your mind because you're like Mr. Wall Street guy, whatever. No judgments here. But like, that's what it sounds like. I've seen Wall Street with, you know, Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Totally. Say no more, right? Yeah. So um, at like 9 a.m., David comes down and he tells friend John Duffus, he's like, I just beat this guy up for no reason. I really need to examine myself and I'm going to go on like a retreat and I just need to reflect. And it turns out at this time also he is headed to his best friend's wedding party in El Paso, Texas. So he's supposed to be the best man. And he's driving from San Diego to El Paso. So along the way, he stops, you know, in this desert on the border of Arizona and New Mexico. But he tells John, like, I'll be back in a few days. And on November 2nd, David's car was found abandoned on a stretch of Highway 80. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you, you pointed out that this sounded a little bit like a story that we've heard in the past with um, with carbon monoxide poison with um, Dan Wilson. Right, and I don't mean like that I think he was carbon monoxide poisoned, because I don't no. in David Stone's case, but it just reminds me of that finding, you know, on, in the wilderness, finding the car abandoned. Yeah, no, I... I I totally got that. I'm just saying it does. It sounds like a similar scenario. Um, I do want to just mention there's somebody who I interviewed a very long time ago and I befriended him here and there. His name is um, Lawrence Millman. Go to LawrenceMillman.com. And he actually does these. um, If you're looking for this type of thing where you're like, I just punched some guy out and I I need a retreat. He actually organizes retreats um, where you basically trip on mushrooms, right? With him. Hmm. With a group, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he's yeah. super, he's probably the, he's so cool. And he, you know, you go to like, you go hiking for two weeks or three weeks with um, just a group of really like-minded people. And you really kind of find yourself and uh, you go to Alaska, all these like beautiful places. So I'll put that a link great. to it in the show notes. And But he, he's also an expert on mycology. So he, um, yeah. you, you just tend to touch upon a lot of different things. So it just kind of triggered, like, if this guy just called up Larry, everything might have been okay for him, but um, but he didn't. But, yeah, so his car fa- is found abandoned. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I just to say, you, if if you're going to, we don't condone any behavior, but if you're going to, it is important. You're an adult, yeah. Have, yeah, do, do you. I really don't care. I just don't want to get sued. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Like have someone a who can help guide you and b literally help guide you who knows the area. How about this? Like, I think Before so doing good. anything for the first time, have somebody with you. Yeah, even if it's a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> so David's dad calls the police because David's dad uh, Harry has not heard from David in a while, and so the police say, "Oh, we found his car and we actually towed it in." So police are interviewing the locals, and apparently a bunch of them had seen David. So we talked to one witness, Lillian, who says that she kind of was, like, driving and sees him on the hood of his car, and he has a notepad in his hand, and it looks like he's either writing something down or sketching. And she's like, hey, do you need a ride? Like, is your car broken down? He's like, nope, I'm good. And the reenactor is, like, wearing T-shirt and, like, some, like, you know, um, IZOD shorts. You know, it's like... yeah. Like, and a Rolex. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're really not ready for this hike. You're reminding me of Michael Scott in The Office, like when he went oh. go, to go hiking. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, this guy is super not prepared. Yeah. And then railroad worker Glenn Duncan says that he hears a voice and he looked and he sees David in shorts and no coat walking the train tracks talking to himself. And I don't know what he said, but in the reenactment, he was like, I am the power. I am the power. And then he hops this like barbed wire fence and goes into this like mountain range area. So I guess... There is his car was found in this area called the Pyramid Mountain Range in New Mexico. And supposedly the pyramid is like a big deal in New Age philosophy. Well, it's 150 miles from Roswell. So I wonder if there's like kind of a connection with um, with just the legends that exist in the area. Interesting. Uh, I yeah. thought that, that well, was an interesting, even though Roswell's you know, a government thing. 
It's just, I wonder, you know, this is obvious. It's a very remote area. And mm-hmm. uh, the reason why they call it the pyramids, because it just, it kind of resembles a slight pyramid. It's not like it's a pyramid. The mountain. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's just literally, it's like a pyramid shaped mountain. Exactly. But every year, a bunch of new agers come to this mountain specifically to experience a vision quest. Um, so we learn, quote, a vision quest is an introspective journey taken in order to discover one's inner self. What do you think it of is- pyramids? I'm sorry to cut you off there. I'm, I, I cut you off right in the middle of your quote. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. No, I was just going to say it is believed that through isolation and meditation, a person can experience a vision which can reveal their true identity. And it's also usually taken with augmented fasting and hallucinations, like hallucinogens. Yeah. Um, as for my thoughts on pyramids, I really don't have any thoughts yeah. on pyramids. Okay. I was just kind what of curious. You? I I have a lot of, um, I used to work on a real hippy dippy place. So we had this huge pyramid that hung above us all the time. And it was hmm. it, the guy who ran the store basically made this thing and it had crystals all over it. And it's just really crazy. So I say crazy because I'm uncomfortable with it really, but when we talk about pyramids, and I know you and I mentioned, we talked a little bit about mummies off the entire mm-hmm. um, Unsolved Mysteries thing. And, of course, you know, they were buried in tombs that were often in pyramids. And it's just, I think there's something there. I think that there's some balance that a pyramid can harness. I mean, it's been proven that food will spoil slower. Um, a number of different energies are harnessed from a perfect pyramid so i don't know well can i share with you something from wikipedia um so there's this thing again supposedly a new age belief which is pyramid power and from wikipedia pyramid power refers to the belief that the ancient egyptian period pyramids and objects of similar shape can confer a variety of benefits among these assumed properties are the ability to preserve foods sharpen or maintain the sharpness of razor blades, improve health function, or sorry, improve health function as a thought form incubator, trigger sexual urges and cause other effects. And snow would slide right off. I'm kidding. But (laughs) um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know about all that. I've heard of these things like it keeps razors um, from oxidizing because that's usually what will mess with razors is the, Ends rust. So mm-hmm. this this slows down that oxidation process. Hmm. Um, same thing, yogurt and all of the different dairies and meats are supposedly. But getting back to the, the missing um, guy, I, what was his name? Yeah, again? David Stone. Yeah, um, Stone. So four days after David's car is discovered, Harry, the dad, joined a full-scale manhunt. And we are talking, like, airplanes, search and rescue teams, like, 40 trackers and volunteers. And we find that David's trail went from his car toward Granite Peak. And if it helps you, we will definitely post a picture of these locations on the Facebook page on a map. What is the distance between those locations? Oh, a hundred miles at least. Wow. So, all right. Uh, but just towards Granite Peak, I think that was more like instead of saying, you know, northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently from the south, Granite Peak looks like the Pyramid Mountain Range, which they think that David misunderstood because he was actually very close to the Pyramid Mountain Range. So we talked to Ralph Dottie, who is a search coordinator. And interesting fact about Ralph Dottie is that he was actually a fire chief. And he is like speeding to this forest fire to put it out when his tanker truck of water overturned 123 feet down a ravine and oh died. Oh, God. And how, when did that happen? I think 2003. Jeez. Yeah, what a terrible crazy. Way to go. Yeah. I know, absolutely. So, you know, we talked to a couple guys. They say that a half a mile from where the car is found, they find this pile of rocks shaped in a pyramid shape. Uh, we talked to another guy from the search and rescue team who said that he had an eerie feeling that David was watching him, which, like, uh, okay, cool story, but, like, give me, I want facts on this one. Yeah, like, and even the, the stones and everything, it's really, it's a hiker thing. Hikers do this all yeah. the time. I talked about it with um, a Bigfoot story a few episodes ago mm-hmm. um, with Cliff Barak, Barak men, who, um, and 
it's just it's something that people do when they're bored. You know, you're you're kind of just taking a rest. You find a bunch of stones, you make a pile, and you leave. Yeah. I've seen that so many times. So uh, the next day, though, it gets a little interesting because they find another pyramid of rocks on the ground. And next to it was his Rolex watch and two quarters. That's a little different. Well, to me, he is clearly shedding his yuppie lifestyle. Like he's successful. He's got money. He's doing this. I think he's like offering up his materialistic impulses which is probably part of his beast and i think that he's like sacrificing mm. it to the pyramids or whatever. I like, like that. i just uh, that's just what it just screamed to me i'm sure that the rolex and two quarters was all that he had on him in his pockets you know like you said he didn't have a backpack he didn't have a coat he was not well prepared for this so i just assumed that's what he had on him that was materialistic you know i didn't uh, really think about him you know using the rolex and what was it two quarters you said yeah um, mm-hmm. Using that as his representation of the beast, and you know, I guess that would make sense. But I still have never—I don't know—in um, your um, in your journey in life, have you ever come across this with New Age? I mean, this sounds mm-hmm. kind of Buddhist. This seems um, a number of different things, but this doesn't really reek of New Age. So I wouldn't even put it under like a religious category. I yeah. would just say it's getting to know oneself on a deeper level. Right. I mean, p- sometimes people get sickened by money and they're just like sick of it. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's 29. Know. You know, this could be a big turning point in his life with his 30th birthday coming up. He's been working for his dad's company his whole life. Like, I think he is just like wanting to do a 180 turn in his life. And he's and tripping find deeper. probably. He's tripping like crazy. And he's tripping probably. And like we were saying, cokey behavior earlier. That is like a rich person drug. And, and dehydrated. You know, I mean, what does he have? Like a bottle of Avion? That's probably maybe, about it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Even if that. So... We find three miles north from there, from the Rolex and everything, in the sand was scratched these numbers. One, two, three, five, eight, thirteen, eighteen. Now, now you have to listen yeah. to the end to find what Kim has realized about the number eighteen. Oh my god, it's so crazy. That right? is so, really good. Like you have no yeah. like I was like, all right, that's pretty good. I mean, I found it on a website, but I will fully take credit. So they later <laughs> learned that these numbers are actually called the Fibonacci series. And basically, the Fibonacci series, like the TLDR version, is it is the sum of the previous two numbers. So one plus two is three. Two yeah. plus three is five. Basically, all that was going hunky-dory, but the last number should have been 21. It should not have been 18. I've never heard of it being referred to as the Fibonacci series. It's always this no, Fibonacci sequence. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I post a little thing about the golden ratio, and that's the basis of everything, the Torah, everything. It's, mm-hmm. if you want to take a good photo, you use the golden ratio. If you want to design a house, you use the golden ratio. It's the basis of all living things. Well, something I've never heard of that. I'm excited to do a deep dive in that because I just find all this info interesting. Yeah. But... See the movie Pi, P.I. Okay. Um, it's all about this. And it, it's a re- but if you are sensitive to light, like, you know, flashing lights, don't see this movie. Okay. It'll trigger something. <laughs> good to know. Yeah. No, good to know. Um, so eight, everybody's like, what is 18? What is, why did he write 18 at the end instead of 21? So according to medium.com, some people think maybe because the beast, you know, the mark of the beast, 666, mm-hmm. you add those together, that was you get good 18. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Um, his family thinks that 18 was like his way of signaling that he was in trouble, like because he should have, because he would have known it was 21, mm-hmm. but he wrote 18, which I think there are easier and more obvious ways to signal that you're in trouble. Uh, yeah, like I'm in trouble. Like, you know, yeah, SOS, it, help. Not everything something. has to be in code, but when you're tripping, when you're in this state of um of hallucinating, your mm-hmm. mind might be creating a different series of solutions to an answer. So that's totally. all I'm saying. Eighteen might represent something completely different. 
I mean, his car was found at mile marker 18. His college football number was the number 18. He could have just forgotten. Like, it truly doesn't have to even mean anything because, like you said, if you're, okay, if you're tripping and someone else is tripping with you and you're both on that same level, I bet 18 to them makes a whole lot of sense. But to try and understand what's going in someone's mind when you yourself, like the dad, is like a major yuppie kind of guy, I don't think he's going to understand that. No, and it, on paper, it won't make sense. That's the problem. Yeah. Um. So, you know, so bloodhounds are brought in to find a scent. They find that it kind of went to the intersection of, like, Highway 10 and Highway 80. And so we're wondering, did he get into a car? Or did, what happened there? So after the investigation, his parents itemized the, or, or like, inventoried the items in his car. They found a pocket-sized version of the New Testament, and inside there was a business card belonging to Tony Ballesteros. Ballesteros. I don't know. (laughs) Ballesteros with an Arizona phone number. So they call it. Tony B. Hey, Tony B. (laughs) That's a good one. Thank you. And he says, like, I've never even met David. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you know, I put that business card in. Wait, wait, wait. This is the weirdest thing. Wait, wait. What you're about to talk about is one of those things you say when you're guilty of something. It's it's yeah. so like what are you talking about? Like I, yeah. this is where the entire story didn't make any sense to me. I know it's so shady. So he's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 my business card. So I was camping one day and like I wanted my friends to come find me. So I put my business card up in a mesquite tree so that they would know where to turn. Right. Like, like is this geocaching? What? Like I don't know what what this is all. <laughs> It, it's a very, very strange thing to have even said. He didn't have to add this little bit of information. And it's such a small card in such a big tree. Who's going to see it? It could easily be blown away. Did David find it and collect it? Or were they friends and he didn't want to say it? Like, I, I don't buy his story at all. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is 1989. It's, I don't know. That that yeah. really kind of made Tony be to be kind of shady to me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, here's where it gets kind of creepy. The note. (laughs) Yes, his parents find, quote, a strangely worded note. Do you want to read it? They think the word, in caps, is in the safe. Six knives in Rob's room. Use buys tea, and use takes your chances Halloween. Yep. Now, it could use a few commas. (laughs) Sure. Because I don't know at all. I mean, this this is rambling. This falls right into why eighteen was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably make sense. Now, you you did a bit of searching as to what part yeah. of it the use buys your tea and use take your chances Halloween. I've never heard of this. Okay, I'm gonna first say that I think tea is peyote because you. I found I googled. Yeah, you can make tea. Yeah, and that's how it's commonly ingested because it like is so bitter when it's fresh. So I saw that Halloween is the day that he went and went on the spiritual journey. So I don't know. I think that personally. But okay. Apparently, use buys your tea and takes your chances is a play on the old saying in stocks and gambling, which is you buy your ticket and you take your chances. Now, according to Cambridge Dictionary, the saying is actually you pays your money and you takes your chance, which means that like you're responsible for your decisions in your life. You cannot blame anybody else for like the paths that you have chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, Now also supposedly according to medium.com in the new age movement, having six knives in your house means a regretful yet necessary rite of passage. But I found that nowhere other than conspiracy theories about David Stone. Like, I couldn't find that anywhere new agey. Now, the word, I know in born-again Christian um, belief system, anyway, the word is the word of Jesus. It's the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they, you know, the first reference is they think God, essentially, is the money that's in seed, you know? It's you know like it's like the God. wealth you know. yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. what we do see the correlation between leaving the Rolex behind and we see this type right. of leaving this all behind and um I don't know I mean it's, it's pretty simplistic when we break it down like that I guess right yeah it's so like I don't know it's so interesting to me and I totally 
relate to this guy's journey. And it's so something I would have done. And mm-hmm. like I said, I think he would have done. So I feel like a closeness to this guy at a certain point, you're just like looking for more meaning in your life. And I applaud this guy for doing what he did. I just wish he would have taken like a trail guide with him or something. Now, I've gone on hikes like this, you know, not like mm-hmm. this, but I've gone on hikes like this under these type of situations, you know, um, mm-hmm. chemical situations. <laughs> and, but you prep, you you do some level of preparation. Mm-hmm. And even thinking back now, I really knew nothing about hiking, but I, I took enough of a step to bring a blanket and a sleeping bag and yeah, make sure exactly. I was with friends, you know. And make and sure water. you knew like which mountain range you were heading to, I'm sure. And yeah, but you know, but, I guess when you're also surrounded by such wealth, maybe you also feel a little bit indestructible. You know, you think like, I'll just buy my way out of it. Like wealth, yes, you get that feeling. Youth, you get that feeling of yeah, being indestructible. Yeah. And also, like I feel such a kinship to this guy that this is how I personally would feel. When you feel like your gut and your heart and your conscience are telling you something, that's the right way to go. And you can't find harm if you follow your intuition. And I think that he was going until it felt right to stop. And then was just go. I think he was just following his gut. And sadly, he was wrong. But they never found the body, right? Wrong. Well, in February 23rd of 1992, two hunters found his skeletal remains in the Granite Gap area of New Mexico. Again, this will be on the map that we post on our Facebook page. So they say the cause and time of his death remain a mystery. Because keep in mind, this is four years after he disappeared. Yeah, and it's pretty harsh out there. The seasons are very harsh. I'm going to imagine that it's real skeletal. Very yeah, strong. animals and everything. So um, his death was ruled, quote, death by misadventure. Oh, which, I hate that so much. Oh, I think it's cool. Oh, really? I, it sounds like a bad comedy to me or something. Oh, my God. Well, it will be when we write one. But uh, <laughs> it's go. basically exposure to the elements and dehydration, no foul play. Yeah. Now, I read an article in the Prescott Courier, which says that, quote, the hunters said that the back of the skull was shattered. But investigators theorized that the back part of the skull was broken by animals. Uh, well, I can believe this because I've seen yeah. my dogs do you know disgusting things with carcasses that they pulled out of the garbage. Yeah, and Not I've shown you carcass, where like a turkey right? carcass. <laughs> well, I've shown you where I'll go on a hike, and my dog will come back with a bone. Oh my like, god! Oh, yes, my god. I love it. Um, so basically, <laughs> what's still missing is his eyeglasses, car keys, driver's license, a gold chain, credit card, and clothing. Like, there was no clothing on the skeleton. So David's dad, who I think is in a little bit of denial here, says that his son was in the wrong place at the wrong time and ran across some drug smugglers and was killed out there. I guess. Um, I, don't know. I don't personally think that's it. His dad did die in 2008. Now. What about the 18, Kim? Oh, my God. What about so the I 18? I found this online, you guys. If you want a real stretch, his remains were found on February 23rd, 1992. Now, if you add together 0, 2 for February, 2, 3 for the date, and 9, 2 for the year, it equals 18. Is I think that is a solid finishing to the story. I think that that is, um, that's the cherry on top. Give me two. Ooh. I saw it this morning. And I was like, "What?" Like, yeah, I was oh like, I, I kept thinking. I'm like, "Damn it, Kim, <laughs> you and your weird always." You know, I I love that. Um, I love it when there's like something like that that kind of pops out, and it's not evidence, but it's oh, it's no. nice. It's a nice um addition but to the story. Interesting, yeah. Um, so now we go to Florida, my neck of the woods. Yeah, this is, um. Uh, there's a lot of stories about this. This is the gold leaf lady. This Ooh. is um, Katie, right? We don't have a name, really. Just if it's that Katie. is her real name. <clears throat> There's a lot of people that are talking about this. You know, Katie is um, somebody who sweats a form of gold leaf. Mm-hmm. Now, when they first said gold leaf, I was like, you mean like 24 karat gold? You know, mm. but it's not. It's it's a for, It's brass, right? Um, yeah, it's it's brass and it's like the stuff that you can get at like a craft store or like a lot of people put them on cakes. And but stuff. it's exactly what this is. You know, like that's the, the thing. It has the cake. same chemical compound of it. I mean, and this is I'm going to imagine this stuff. If the ingredients aren't perfectly measured, it's going to create a different product. It's 80 yeah. percent 
one thing and 20 another thing, zinc 20 and 80 of something else. 80, I think. And it makes brass, you know. And so when she sweats, she gets out of nowhere this gold leaf coming out of her skin, which looks bizarre. Um, But she also has had other objects come out of her body. She's been known to also have psychic powers. She can melt metal. And she has been known to be able to write perfect medieval French, which, but she at the same time has a first grade reading level or first grade education level. Education, Yeah. She dropped out because her mom suffered from a psychological paralysis in the like backwoods. Yeah. You don't drop out of first grade. You just don't go. Exactly. So she had to like stay to be her mom's caretaker, but she's featured in a 2007 book called the gold leaf lady and other parapsychologists psychological investigations but i got a lot of this article from a very biased pro katie article called the gold leaf lady by stephen broad Mm -hmm. um so i got a lot of this like extracurricular from there but she says like in 1974 is when it hit the fan is when she like really started getting you know all these powers now another um on the odd plug here is um a gentleman named jeffrey mishlove who um he actually interviews a gentleman named um, Stephen Broad just two years ago where he's talking about this. And he's really yeah. selling it. Did you come across this video? Right no. It's on YouTube. I'll put a link to it um, in the show notes. And <clears throat> there's really not that much information. But what this guy talks about is really interesting. Um, he also brings up that how some it, it's a real phenomenon where people, something traumatic will happen. And they'll be able to acquire the ability to write or speak a language that they had no right knowing, right? Hmm. Um, and it's called xenoglossy. <clears throat> and it's, um, it's a paranormal phenomena. And it's, there are documented cases of this. Sometimes it goes away, which is also kind of interesting. But it, he really talks about the fact that once they found that the chemical compound of this was legitimately brass, mm-hmm. that – all of the studies, all the people who were looking into it abandoned it because they felt as though being that it's, it's not a new element. It's not, it's something that can be easily created by man. They didn't Mm -hmm. want to look deeper into why it was appearing. So he actually has a belief, but I, I'm still on one side of the fence. I don't want to say which I am too. I know I've, I try and be so open-minded and you guys know, like we're both a little hippy dippy and we believe in a lot of stuff. This, I thought the fact that they even aired this episode gave all of unsolved mysteries a black eye, like, because <laughs> I couldn't find one person who believed it besides Stephen broad, but this was this like is- an onion article. Like when you were looking yeah. at her, like it was bizarre the way it it's- looks. So crazy. So, well, like, she has a bunch of powers, but basically it starts when she teams up with this, like, police investigator in this place called John's Island in Florida, kind of, like, down by Miami area. And there was a break-in, and so the cop was like, I'm just going to drive around the neighborhood with this psychic, and she can tell me when we get to the house. Who has time for this? I mean, that's another thing. Like, there's a lot of weirdness here. Yeah, so they load five people into this van and just, like, drive all around John's Island until she's like, bam, right there, that's the house. And she was correct. And she was also like, there are, quote, oriental paintings inside. And what was stolen came out of a box that was in a blue room, which turns out to all be true. And a funny side note is that he said that she was so accurate that he thought that she was a thief. I love that. I love that statement, by the way. It made me laugh out loud, but he claims that her information allowed him to solve the crime and recover most of the $185,000 worth of stolen jewelry. Is there any kickback on that for her? I wonder, you know, is there any, maybe you could throw her five grand. I don't know. Well, speaking speaking of breaking off a piece, they're like driving along at the end of that day. And she's like... Oh, what's that smell? It smells like weed. Like, you holding out on me? (laughs) (laughs) What's in the trunk, you know? Totally. And he's like, I don't smell anything. So she's like, oh, it must be in the ocean. It's going to wash up in two weeks. And so, by the way, I just want to say this is the kind of thing a friend says if they're trying to find out if you have weed. Like, yeah. (laughs) You you smell that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you smell that? How do you you smell that? I have that right there. I knew you had it. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I've only read it. Me too. It's a book. (laughs) Hunter S. Thompson. 
Like two, like clockwork. Two weeks later, almost to the minute, twenty five bales, bales, bales. Of weed <laughs> washes up on shore. All right, I have to ask you because I asked my wife. Yeah. What, like, all right, you see these bales, right? You don't know what's in it yet. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Do you get out of your car it. and you're like, "What the hell is this?" No, no. I'm I'm assuming that it's drugs or a dead body, and I'm assuming that the people who put it there are watching it to make sure it like safely got to where it's going to be. And I am not trying to get in the middle of that. Nobody's around, Kim. <laughs> no one. Oh, uh, just one bell. I mean, There's twenty five bells. What? What? They won't miss one. They're not going. No. It won't. All right. No, but I'm just right. kind of, so you would ignore Absies. it. That would be your thing. You're like, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to watch Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. I, yeah. I am whatever gets me from point eight to <laughs> sitting at home in my pajamas, like the quickest and my the easiest. Wa- my wife, who her idea of getting loaded is to have a half of a wine cooler is <laughs> she's like, I'd sell it somehow. I'm like, you'd sell it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, it's not legal here in New York, but you'd sell it. She's like, yeah, I don't know. Where, how do you just, you know, just, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Get you some. Because these yeah, were big so bells. I mean, we're talking, well, at the like time, a, maybe a few hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, but what do you think? Like poundage, though? Like a hundred pounds? Yeah, probably a hundred pounds each. Oof, for each bell. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't um, know what the going price of a pound of pot is, but I'm going to guess it's um, a few bucks. Yeah, I would guess so. A few uh, gold leaves. So, All right, enough, Professor... enough fan footage. I mean, fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, Professor Kurtz, Paul Kurtz, we meet him, and he's like, this lady is full of baloney. Like, I don't buy it at all. So, now, <laughs> all of a sudden. And they say weed washes up at the beach all the time. That's what I mean. Yeah, supposedly, it's because it's, like, right on the coast. And so, they said, they were like, yeah, weed gets trafficked into Florida. Like, that's not really a big surprise. So uh, See, um, I don't buy that so much. I mean, I believe it gets trafficked. I just yeah. don't know if it's washing up all the time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, the Coast Guard's coming. you got to throw everything overboard. I don't know. Oh, well, you should find out, Kim. <laughs> Report back. I have, a, I have one drive. <laughs> You're closest. True. So now here we get to the the big part of it. She has foil coming out of her skin. And it looks and crazy. She, I mean, it looks yeah. wild. It is like literally the same shape and consistency and size of gold leaf that you buy at craft stores. We're not seeing unedited video of it either. We're not. I don't know if it exists, you know, for I, I couldn't find anything, but it I couldn't not. find her legitimately sweating. You know, like it, I didn't see, for instance, her hand having just skin and having it just kind of manifest. Well, I can see that doesn't happen because actually in that article, the gold leaf lady, um, he talks about the whole unsolved mystery setup, how they like had to give her a full body intimate experience inspection and like how they would have ladies go to the bathroom with her so she couldn't be alone they gave her like a x-ray test so they could see they spent like hours and hours and hours with her all day so they took everything out of the room like they wanted to make sure this was no bs and then suddenly when those situations occur she can't produce it and even the guy Berthold schwartz who is her psychiatrist does not have unedited footage of this happening. So um, he is also on his Wikipedia page listed as a parapsychologist and a UFOologist. So, yeah. Friend of the show, basically. But he's basically the one making these videotapes of her. And like you said, they find out it's brass. It's 80% copper, 20% zinc. And they said that on the article I read, considering the quantity of foil removed from Katie's body, for Katie to have sweated the foil through the pores of her skin, she would have needed lethal amounts of metals in her system. I guess it could be a phenomenon. But if she couldn't do it under pressure, um, this is a little bit of um, a little bit of a rabbit hole. I just wanted your opinion on it or if you ever heard of it. Have you ever heard of the James Randi Educational Foundation? No. Uh, James Randi is a... Um, Somebody who's been debunking people forever. And he has a thing called the $1 million paranormal challenge, which um, he basically says under a certain very strict, um, strict guidelines, if you can come and you can create proof that you have a psychic ability of any kind, whether it be bending a spoon, 
sweating brass, um, any of these type of phenomena, you get $1 million, which is held in a trust of some sort. Hmm. Um, he's had a number of people come trying to cash in and no one, not one person has been able to get this. Um, I'll, again, I'll send another thing I have to put a link to in the show notes. The guy's fascinating. He's like this little old guy and he debunks everyone. Hmm. He's hated yeah, but. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean just it's somebody who I think you would find very interesting. Even people like John Edwards and Sylvia Brown came forward to try to um get it, but he calls everyone out. Oh, that's awesome. You know? <clears throat> he's yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's not so much fun at parties, but yeah. at the same time it's it's a million dollars. And granted a million dollars isn't worth as much as when he first created it. It's still a lot of money. And, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I would take it in a heartbeat. But <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, there's no there's no real solid evidence. Um, I don't uh, even they said it's not really possible. Um, I guess yeah. it could be a phenomenon. Um, she also has diamonds falling out of her face and gold charms coming out of her ears. Yeah. Now in the article. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, she was in an abusive marriage. You know, yeah. not something we laugh at. This is no, a very serious thing. What I do laugh at is that her husband would, you know, berate her for not having any monetary psychic powers. And Hint, then the hint. next day, yeah. gold and diamonds start just like pouring out of her. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, and she really, I think she pushes this whole, I'm just a simple woman thing. I grew up in the Tennessee mountains and I got a first grade education. Like I haven't ever seen color TV. You know, it's, she has this whole hickness that, and this unawareness, it just seems a little bit too much of an act. And, um, yeah, I agree. But but at the same time, she's doing all right. I mean, she got on unsolved mysteries, right? I mean, I guess the whole thing that they say that she is like genuine because she doesn't ask for money for this. She doesn't perform for people. So like, what's the point? Attention. I don't I'm going to go on record and say I fully don't believe this story. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, I thought it was entertaining to a point. But yeah, I think all in all, um, we just have to. We just have to say we don't believe this one. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, debunked. But something I do believe a little bit more in is reincarnation. Yeah. You do believe in reincarnation? I do. And I believe this woman. Don't believe the man. Yeah, I don't. I have such a tough time with reincarnation. I just recently found out that I had no idea about this. Um, You know, the Hasidic Jews, you know, Mm -hmm. they were like the big fur hats and stuff. Um, The Hasids, we call them Hasids, but... Um, they're the ultra or they're the ultra Jews. Like they follow everything to the letter and they really follow deep to their heart. Um, the Kabbalah and the Kabbalah is more of a mysticism. I don't know if you ever followed the Kabbalah, <laughs> but the, but the Kabbalah touches upon darker arts of, of things. And I didn't, I didn't know this. They have a very deep belief in reincarnation. Now in most most um, afterlife religions, there's some level of belief of a reincarnation on some level, but mm-hmm. they believe that if you are a non-Jew that, and you find yourself converting to Judaism, mm-hmm. this is you being pulled back to it. This is part of your reincarnation mm, to come back. I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. It's a little narcissistic, but it's... Um, it's really interesting, and I really had no idea that they held those beliefs. No, they held a lot of beliefs, though I don't believe in at all, very sexist beliefs. But um, yeah. this is one of those beliefs that really surprised me, because Kabbalah is a very, very – it's a very controversial belief system when it comes to um, the Judaic society, um, grouping mm-hmm. and the people who are involved. Yeah, it seems no, it seems very progressive um, for such a traditionalist kind of uh, religion. But we do. Uh, I'm sorry, one, I div- I'm diverting like crazy from no, Untold okay. Mysteries. Sorry. We got this. Um, we meet a woman named Georgia Rudolph, who is just like the most darling little thing I've ever seen. She believes she is the reincarnation of a young woman who lived at the turn of the century. Now, since childhood, she has had dreams and memories about the year 1914. And we've heard this before. We heard this with the John Gillespie, you know, World War II Pearl Harbor. Lady. Yeah, the kid, right? No, yeah, it was like a lady, a woman. 
Um, oh, that's right. With we, the hypnosis. Yes. Yeah. But we did kid like past lives too. It definitely is a reoccurring theme in Unsolved Mysteries. But she basically sees like horses, carriages, a river and an old fashioned stern wheeler. So sounds like Little House in the Prairie a little bit. Sounds it totally water, was. You know? Yeah, so she also sees a man in a coat and a dark and a derby hat and a dark haired little girl. So she got regressive hypnosis with this Dr. Douglas Smith. They have the same he, haircut, I just want to point that. It was lovely on both of them. But <laughs> yeah. uh, we actually get to see the hypnosis session, which is like very unusual. So under hypnosis, she says that the girl in her vision is named Sandra Jean Jenkins, and the man in the hat is Sandra's fiance, Tommy Hicks. So according to her visions, Tommy Hicks actually drowned in the river. And when he drowned, she was not only unmarried, but she was pregnant. Mm. Um, so she was like depressed over this situation. Obviously, in 1914, to be an unwed mother can't be a good look. So yeah, this she... is just not the time you want to really be doing that. It's, it's yeah, a exactly. terrible time. You're basically alone in the world. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a terrible situation. And she ended up taking her own life. Um, and this is all according to Georgia's like flashbacks through the hypnosis. So Georgia starts looking in the present for people and places that she saw in her dreams, which is so cool to me. So in 1984, she goes to Marietta, Ohio and meets a reporter and she is the one showing him around town, even though she says she's never been there before, but she remembers it from her dream. Um, he's Have like, you ever had moments like that where you feel like, you know, we've all had like, I've been here before, but no, yeah. Well, you've had deja vu, right? Of, uh, oh, I've definitely had deja vu, but I've never like shown someone around yeah. a town that I've never. Been no, to. yeah, I'm. Some people claim to. I, I've never had anything where it's gone to the point where I'm like, I know this, and you know. But people Weird. claim to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, and it's a common theme again in unsolved mysteries because that happened in the Pearl Harbor. John Gillespie story was that she was showing him all around the island of in Hawaii. Um. So she finds a house that exactly matches the house in her vision. And the relative of the person who used to own the house let Georgia look at a picture from 1908. And she sees the girl that was in her picture. Apparently it was like a boarding house for girls. And she's like, oh, my God, that was me in a past life. Like, that's the girl I've been having the visions of. That's I mean, when she did do that, there was a certain tone to of legitimacy in her voice oh yeah no she was she was very certain it was her and was like that one not like mm, yeah not yeah, that, that one not good. that one this one yeah yeah and uh, the family member was like oh yeah that girl she actually drowned in the river out back and it's like what because that's how she killed herself mm -hmm. um so now this is where i get a little more skeptical because i am like team georgia that sounds like a great time and story and i love it now after the airing of the story for the first time, 36-year-old college professor Jack Turnock calls the telecenter and he's like, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. I am the reincarnation of Tommy Hicks. And I've known this for a while, but like I just saw it on TV and yeah, I know it's far-fetched, but it's cool. So <laughs> in September of 1988, Jack Turnock underwent past life hypnosis with Dr. Bruce Crystal, who is still practicing in Jacksonville, Florida, by the way. Um, he said that in his regression, the river played a huge part of his vision and that his younger brother also died by drowning. And he also said, like, oh, my God, my girlfriend. What'd you guys say on Unsolved Mysteries? She was had long hair and a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had long hair and a hat. Mm. Um, so he later travels to Macon, Georgia, to do his regression th therapy with the same guy who did Georgia's regression therapy, Dr. Smith, the guy with the same haircut. And he was skeptical because he's like, yeah, you can say it after you saw it on Unsolved Mysteries, like, obviously. But he says after he did the therapy, he kind of believed him. Um, now, I kind of wish that Jack left his wife and married Georgia Rudolph in real life. But sadly, that didn't happen. I did find Jack now. He did leave his wife, but he did not marry Georgia. And Georgia sadly died in 2012. So oh. until the next life, Georgia. Now, you have a picture of the um, the doctor who did the hypnosis. I don't know if he's a doctor, actually. Oh, yeah, it does say doctor. Yeah. Um, and I just, I love this guy, this guy with his <laughs> two dogs. Just, uh, that's really the only reason I'm bringing it up. He just seems like 
the kind of guy who like loves his dogs, Pepe and Delilah. Yeah, and I will say though, he has two stars on like RateMyDoctor.com or whatever it is. So you know, not great, but he does a lot of different therapies and holistic approaches. But yeah, he has a whole video of the dogs on his lap, and that one white dog does not want to be there. <laughs> no, or no, it's like it's like showing its teeth and stuff. I yeah, <laughs> poor little guy. So I know. yeah, so I, I don't know. I I don't feel as though past life progressions are always accurate. I feel like what we got just a few episodes ago mm-hmm. was a little bit more. Uh, it was a it was more in line with us in, in some ways. I guess being able to identify people in photographs is kind of a big deal. I wonder if in the future people will have. More of this, more of a visual representation of, I mean, there would be proof at that point, right? You'd be able yeah. to look at a past life and go, I recognize myself. There's, this is proof, Whoa. you know? Yeah, um, that makes sense. And it might trigger more now. memories, you know? Yeah. I'm curious. That, that, I mean, what do you think about Jack Turnock's theory that he is Tommy Hicks? I think that, um, I think he b- might believe it. I, I, do, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's um, any evidence to the contrary, right? It, there's no – I think that he might be somebody who's looking for attention. Yeah. Or he well, convinced like I, himself maybe. He might believe it. Yeah, but he's saying like before Unsolved Mysteries even came out, he knew he was Tommy Hicks in a past life. Yeah. I, I don't – I have such a tough time believing – a lot of this type of stuff. He's also not an older guy at this point. He's only 36. Yeah, no, he's 36. Had a career, yeah. you know, has a career or had a career. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that, I don't know. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I don't want to say what I really feel, which is what I think a lot of these shows tend to bring out. They bring out the worst in people and they tend to just want the attention. Yeah, I think that might be the case with this guy. But I do believe Georgia, so I don't know. Yeah, there's something about her I find believable, and I think that the um, producers of Unsolved Mysteries also really believed in it. Um, again, I don't believe that this was the best um, possible Halloween episode. I would have liked to see some Halloween crimes, some, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the razor and the um, apple type of Ooh. crimes, um, mm-hmm. you know, these type of things. So. For a holiday that I, I think that both you and I find very um, dear, this is a little bit of a letdown. I would have yeah. liked to see something genuinely creepy on Halloween night. I hear you. That David Stone story did creep me out, though. Mm. Yeah. It's a lost guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I hear you, though. There is so many different options they could have gone on. I think that they realized it was going to air on Halloween, and they were like, oh, a Halloween episode. <laughs> Give you know it's like rewrite stack speech. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, we I think we did it some justice. We took it seriously. We researched it hard. So you know, happy Halloween, everybody! Yeah, happy Halloween, everyone! Tonight we have been confronted with an entire catalog of unexplained and unsolved events. Tune in next time as Unsolved Mysteries Rewind discusses another collection of unsolved mysteries. Until then, we can only look and wonder.